All right, that was that was some good singing right there. This morning in Bible class, we were talking about the purpose of worship. And we concluded that the purpose of worship was to honor God. And I would, I would dare say that the singing tonight has truly honored Him. Tonight, or before we, before we get into tonight's lesson, if you have a kid that's middle school or high school parents, if you please would let me know if they will be seeking to uh, go to participate in Yes Weekend at Forest Park on February the 21st and 22nd, that Friday night and that Saturday. It's on our, our calendar, and I just want to throw that out there, and we'll get an email out next week. So tonight, tonight's lesson is going to center, center around the 121st Psalm. So if you'll be turning there, that's going to be the crux of the lesson tonight. Now, in verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 121, Scripture says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So tonight, I would like us to borrow that phrase. I will lift up my eyes. I want us to borrow that phrase. And in three ways, I would like us to apply it to something. First, I would like, I would like to suggest that we need to lift up our eyes to the purpose behind us. And then secondly, we need to lift up our eyes to the possibilities before us. And then thirdly, we need to lift up our eyes to the potential above us. So first, we need to lift up our eyes to the purpose that is behind us. How, how many of you have ever heard, where will we be when we get to where we're going? Or, what will we have when we get what we're wanting? Y'all ever heard that? What's behind those two questions? One word, purpose. What, in our lives, what promotes, what prods, what pulls, what literally propels us through life? And that is something called purpose. Think about, for, for a moment, think about some people in the Bible. People in the Bible that, uh, that accomplished some incredible things because they were people with a purpose. I think about, if you think about, I think about a guy like Noah. It was, it was putting together a seaworthy vessel per the specs of God. He had a purpose. If you think about, if you think about Moses and, and Israel, it was stepping foot on a land that was flowing with milk and honey. They had a purpose. For David, it was unifying a nation out of a bunch of raw, out of a raw confederacy. He had a purpose. For Jesus, it was the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. He had a purpose. For the apostles, it was to go out into the world making, the, uh, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They had a purpose. But tonight, brothers and sisters, what is our purpose? What is the purpose of the New Testament church? If you will, turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. Verse 15 of 1 Timothy chapter 3 says, But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So, 
did you see what Paul was saying there and how he described the church in that verse? Did you see that? Did you get that? He gave a reference to the church, but he gave it in a singular tone, in a singular manner. He didn't give reference to the churches of men. He gave reference to the church, meaning singular, of the living God. And then he described the church as the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, when you think of a pillar, what do you think about? Support. <laughs> when you think of a, I should have been more, I should have been more clear. When you think of a pillar, you think about support. And when you think of the word ground, what do you think about? How about foundation? How about foundation? So here's the true New Testament church of the Lord. It's the support and the foundation of truth. That's what it is. But in what way is it that? In what way is it that? So tonight we're not talking about the support and foundation of, first, truth's veracity. We're not talking about that because regardless of what we do, the truth will always remain the truth. We can mishandle the truth, we can misuse the truth, but the truth in its very essence will always be the truth. And so, we are also not the pillar and the ground of, of its ferocity, but we're also not the pillar and ground, the support and the foundation of, uh, of, uh, of, the, of its inspiration. Regardless of what we do, this book, the Bible, is always going to be the inspired message of God. We're, we're not the support and foundation of the truth's relevance. Regardless of what we do, this book will always have a message for mankind. Regard, regardless of when man decides to pick it up and read it, it will always have a message for mankind. So in what way, then... Are we the support and the foundation of truth, as described in 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15? Well, with the word purpose in mind, I would like to say tonight that we are the pillar and ground, the support and foundation of the truth's proclamation. You see, we have the Word of God. And if we don't proclaim the Word of God before God and, and, and all that is good, then who will do it? Who will do it? That is our purpose. And that's why our first century brethren in the temple and from home to home did not cease to preach and teach Jesus as the Christ. Acts 5 and verse 42. We are the support and foundation of the truths being proclaimed. And that's why the Apostle Paul and Barnabas gathered the church together at Antioch after their first missionary tour. And what did they do on that tour? What did they do? They went out seeking and saving the lost. They went out preaching the truth. And when they came back to Antioch, we find in Acts chapter 14 and verse 27, and verse 27, Scripture says, Now when they had come... And gathered the church together. They reported all that God had done with them. And that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Now, why did they gather the church together? Because it was the church that sent them. 
And why did the church send them? Because that's the purpose of the church's existence, brothers and sisters. On April the 26th, 1991, a devastating tornado hit an Oklahoma town called Ulaga. And it blew away the church building, destroyed a lot of the city. And, when, and after the storm had left, a lot of the brethren came back to kind of look at the damage and see what, what it looked like. The building was gone. It was completely gone. The only thing left standing was the baptistry. And it was still full of water. And the preacher at that time was a man by the name of Vance Smith. And he stepped back. He looked at the scene and he said, Peace be unto God, we're still in business. That is the business of the New Testament church, brothers and sisters. That is the purpose that's behind us. And then secondly tonight, we need to lift up our eyes to the possibilities before us. Have you ever heard it said that many people aim at absolutely nothing and hit it with pinpoint precision? Have you ever heard, it, heard this phrase? They don't plan to fail, they fail to... And that makes me think of a poem. Y'all didn't know I was a bit of a poet, did you? The lightning bug is brilliant, but he doesn't have a mind. He stumbles through existence with his headlight on behind. Now, unfortunately, that's the way so many people are. And that's the way some congregations are, brothers and sisters. They go on through life with their taillights on behind. They say things like, back in the old days, or we used to do things, or we aren't used to doing things. And as a result, as a result of that, they idolize the past and they, and, the, and they paralyze the present because they don't have a plan for the future. And they fail to see the possibilities that are before them. Now think for a second about some, some people in the Bible that, that chose to see by way of God's providence and by way of God's promises to see the possibilities that were before them. Think about Abraham. You think about Abraham. He saw a lineage that would result in a nation. More numerous than the stars and the heavens above, God said that. Abraham saw possibilities. Then you think of a guy like Joseph. He dreamed about a, a position of responsibility, a, a position of authority. And then he shares this dream with his family, uh, and he tells them, you're going to bow before me. And then that dream outraged his brothers to the point where in Genesis 37, 19, as he's coming to deliver a message to them, they, they, they mockingly said, you know, here comes the dreamer. And yet because of that young man, because of him, that young man who saw possibilities before him and viewed his life in the providential care of God, a nation was fed during a severe famine. And he did stand in a position of responsibility and they did bow before him. And then we think of somebody like Joshua, who in Numbers 14, if you, in Numbers 14, only two men stood before an entire nation and said, we can take these people talking about the Canaanites. We can take them. Two people. Ten others said, no, 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 we can't do that. 
We can't do that. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. And Joshua, one of the two, stands up and he says, They're bread for us. Their defenses are gone. And most importantly, Jehovah will fight for us. And we can take them. And he did not cease to stop speaking about it till they literally threatened his life by stoning. And then 40 years later, when that nation Israel crossed the Jordan River, when God was looking for a replacement for Moses, who did he find? Joshua. And he said, you shall cause these people to enter the land. And that's because 40 years before that, Joshua saw possibilities. We think about Jesus. He came to seek and save the lost. He saw possibilities. And quite frankly, he saw possibilities in, in people that sometimes we, and we're all guilty of it, we look past. What about the apostles? They were told, go out into all the world and preach the gospel. Not go into Jerusalem. Not go into the Roman, uh, Roman Empire. Go into the world and preach the gospel. And they did. Colossians 1 and verse 23 says, They were successful taking this book to the world at that time because they saw possibilities. And here's what those possibilities turned into. Staying in, staying in the book of Acts, in Acts 2 and verse 41, listen to, the, listen to what happens when we see possibilities. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Now, fast forward to chapter 4 and verse 4. However, many of those heard the word believe, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Acts 5 and verse 14. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Acts 6 and verse 7, Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Acts 9 and verse 31, And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. And then finally in Acts 16 and verse 5, So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. These verses in Acts, they help us understand the context of Acts chapter 17 and verse 6 when Scripture says, these, meaning these men, these apostles, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Here was a group of people, brothers and sisters, that... Without TV, without radio, without a newspaper, without media, only with word of mouth, without computers, with only word of mouth, they turned the world upside down because they saw possibilities. I fear too many times congregations and individual Christians were like the man who was walking along and saw a $5 bill on the ground. And so he put it in his pocket, and from that moment, on, that moment on in his life, he always looked down. He always looked down when he was walking. And in the years that ensued, he found a total of $1.60 in silver coins. He found 22 pennies, over 11,000 buttons, over 27,000 straight pins, 
And he also received a hunched back and a very sour disposition in the process. He didn't get to enjoy the beauty of God's creation because he was always looking down. He missed looking at the sun. He missed the smile of his friends. Now, are we just looking down to who we are? Or are we just looking back to what we used to be? Or are we going to look ahead to the possibilities that are before us? And then thirdly and lastly tonight, we need to lift up our eyes to the potential that is above us, not the potential that is within us. Like Jesus, we've got to say, of myself, I can do nothing. Like the Apostle Paul, we've got to say, our sufficiency is not of ourselves. But also like the Apostle Paul, we need to learn to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4 and verse 13. This is the potential that is above us. Now you think of how God has used some, some great people in the past because of the potential they had with God working through them. You think about a guy like Moses, who was a runaway sovereign, who, who became nothing like a shepherd. Nothing but a shepherd. But what did God do with Moses? You think about David, the baby boy of, of a random guy from Bethlehem. What did God do with David? You think about Nehemiah, who was an obscure secret service agent, so to speak. He was the cupbearer for Artaxerxes. But what did God do with Nehemiah? You think about Jesus himself, a man that was more, that, more than a man, but how did he become a man? He was, he was born in a, in, a, in a barn, and he was placed in a feeding trough. And we know little about his first 30 years, but then he shows up and he turns the world upside down. You think about the apostles, a group of professional fishermen, a tax collector, accountant, and a, and a zealot. What did God do with those apostles? And quite frankly, what can God do with us? I want us to close by going back to Psalm 121. Now, y'all know when I say close, that means we got another 20 minutes. It's not 30 like Marvin says. And as we go back to Psalm 121, I want us to read the whole psalm. It's only eight verses, so I saw the look that some of y'all were already giving me. It's, we're going to read the whole psalm, and what I want you to do is, as I read this, and as you read this, I want you to pay attention to two things. I want you to pay attention to the word, keep. And I also want you to pay attention to its derivative, which is the word, preserve. Keep and preserve. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil he shall preserve your soul the lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore six times we read the word keep or its derivative 
preserved in those eight verses. And within those six times, there's, a re- there's many references to our Father. And it's almost as if God is repeatedly telling us through this psalm, I will be involved in your life. In the, in the first graduating class of Lipscomb, Lipscomb, uh, Lipscomb College, they had a banquet. And at the banquet, a woman named J.P. Sanders, she placed an acorn on each graduate's plate with a note that read, If God can take an acorn and make an oak tree, just think of what He can do with you. Just think of what God can do with us. Think of what God can do with you as a Christian. Think of what God can do with us as a congregation. We're already seeing it, ain't we? What more can He do if we let Him? The word genius has been described as one who sees what no one else can see and then hits it. Brothers and sisters, as we close tonight, as we close tonight and we start a new year, are you willing to bend your will to God's purpose? Are we willing to see the possibilities that He lays out before us? And are we willing to, uh, to achieve the potential that is above us? And if you're here tonight, and you're not a child of God, and you're not a child of God, it's not that difficult. Mark 16, verse 15 and 16 tells us that we have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Acts 2 and verse 38 tells us that we, have to, we need to repent of our past and we need to be baptized to wash away our sins. And if you're not a child of God tonight, you can do that now when we stand and we sing.